The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. And unfortunately, I have a little bit of an echo, which probably will go away because once again, we are heading into a little bit of a bleak period with lots of people getting corona. Not a pleasant time, lots of load shedding, lots of cold weather. So all in all, lots of not very, very nice things happening at the moment in uh, sunny South Africa. We do have the sun, so there's a positive and off we go, even though it's been a bit rainy of late. So technology is Absolutely coming to the rescue in its usual fashion and always love to start the show on a good note. And here's something interesting. I've been watching quite closely what's going on in the, in the sort of uh, data and internet space. And if anyone will recall all my loyal listeners who've listened over the last little while, I predicted that the cost of data would drop somewhere between 40 and 50 percent in 2021. Well, I've so far been a little off, though the price of data has dropped considerably across pretty much all packages. And the usage of data has screamed up as we all sit at home and do our thing uh, because of the various restrictions on travel and everything. Though we've had a good run up to now, being able to get back to the office. So today I'm going to be talking a lot about these sort of things, you know, talking about the future of the office going back to work, how technology is playing a significant role in that space. And also, as I said, I'm going to start the show off with a really interesting uh, a little tidbit of information, and that is there's an LTE price rule going on in South Africa currently. Fixed LTE is obviously a replacement for fiber. When I say replacement, you don't replace fiber with fixed LTE, an alternative for fiber and old ADSL, which has basically gone away. We have to have a quick break for our sponsors right now, I've just been informed, but I will come back, give you a little heads up on how you can get the best fixed LTE price and how that actually works so well in the space of uh, load shedding because it seems it's going to be a little bit more often and we're going to need a little backup in order to stay online with our various gizmos and gadgets. So stay tuned. Uh, I'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, essentially, just to continue with the good news stuff, um, over the last year, prices of data have dropped dramatically. Mobile operators have slashed their prices on both their 4G and 5G fixed wireless products. 5G has been rolling out pretty effectively um, with rain, mostly. I mean, the commercial MTN and, and, and Vodacom LTE rollouts have stalled since they're fighting with ICASA around the the, in, the old story of Spectrum, not going to talk about that today, but 5G has rolled out pretty effectively across the major metros with rain, and 4G is still pretty ubiquitous, and the networks have upgraded them. Look, obviously, fiber is the preferred option for uncapped high-speed bandwidths, things like Netflix, um, and for large downloads. We'll talk about that later as well. A new law came into force, which could affect those of you who do large downloads into hard drives of movies and whatnot. But anyway, we're not all covered by, by fiber. DSL's on its way out, and un, an uncapped broadband does cover the premium. There's just no question. If you want uncapped, you're going to pay a little bit more. But if you need a solid connection and you need for work, for just some streaming, for just staying connected on the Internet, doing some stuff, especially when the power's out, 
LTE is absolutely an option for most people. And the prices have come down to, I believe, a very affordable thing. Cell C are doing a great deal right now. You can get five gigs of anytime data and five gigs of after hours data. So you can set your downloading after hours for around about 59 Rand a month, which is incredibly cheap for that sort of thing. Telcom do a very similar price. They also double that up for 99 Rand for 10 gig and Vodacom for 10 gig are talking 149 and Cell C are talking 15 gig for 149 as well. Cell C is actually quite a good deal at the moment because one, where they have their own towers, which is pretty extensive within the context of the major metros, uh, their, their, their service is pretty good. I've tried it, not terribly unhappy with their service. But where and they don't have their own towers in some of the smaller areas, they roam on MTN, which is a great option because MTN's network is pretty solid, probably the best data network in the country, and you get the cell C pricing. So as a backup, it's a great option. But the only other thing I want to mention at this point in time is that Rain are doing quite a good promotion. But re remember, it's a promotion. The Rain 4G, which has had a bit of a, a rocky road of late, is still uncapped at 4.79 a month, which is pretty reasonable for a wireless uncapped product. But there are certain T's and C's as usual. Their 5G product, on the other hand, is an excellent replacement uh, and and a tremendous way to get great bandwidth at great prices. And they're offering their uncapped 5G premium for 6.99 for three months. Now, I suppose their normal price of 9.99 is not unreasonable for a high speed. I get on Rain 5G in my area around about 150 to 250 megabits per second download, and it's proved to be super solid. Very rarely have any problems, even during load shedding now. At one stage they had a problem, they seem to have sorted that out. So great option. The the standard version, which is uncapped as well, is now 479 for three months, and then it goes up to 699. And the only real restriction is there is that they cap the quality of your video stream to 720p, which is not great. It's it's fine for smaller TVs, it's fine for laptops and tablets and things like that. Not great on large screen 4K TVs. You will notice the fuzziness and the lack of quality. But overall, it's still very, very reasonable. So right now, in, in the load shedding space that we're working, in times of craziness that we have right now, if you need a new or secondary, even if you're a current fiber subscriber, if you need a, a new or secondary battery-based um, type of, of connectivity, you can always use an older spare phone on a big battery, even on its own, pop in any one of these because they're all SIM-based, with the exception of the RAIN, which is linked and locked to their, their um, router, so be a little careful. But all the rest, and also their 5G, not all the phones will work in the exact 5G band that RAIN work in, so don't try that with, with RAIN. But all the others, Vodacom, Telcom, Celsi, and MTN, have a SIM-based product where you can get for very reasonable money, up to 100, 200 gigs of data in the region of five, 600 rand. And that would work brilliantly for, um, and, and you use your phone as a hotspot. So it would work brilliantly in spaces where you need connectivity. You do not have generators. You don't want to, um, set up a whole sort of alternative power system, but I'll talk a bit about that later. But this is a great way to have connectivity off a mobile phone with one of these little inexpensive battery backup packs 
to help you going for a couple of hours while the power is off. And the best part is the price is reasonable. The speed is pretty quick. And generally, for most South Africans who live anywhere near a major city or even in some of the more rural areas, the quality of the connection is is pretty decent. And you probably find that you get an you can stream on it. Obviously, streaming high quality stuff will eat up your data. But overall, you can get a really good good experience using these type of systems. So think about it from the point of view of backup. Think about it from the point of view of maybe for your older parents who really don't spend a lot of time streaming, just want to stay connected during these crazy times. So it is very important that we uh, stay connected, especially in these times where things are a little challenging. And 4G is a great way. And the prices are really, really reasonable. Five gigs can last you a long time for 59 bucks a month. Really not a bad deal. So check it out. Compare all the various people. Um, right now, it seems Celsius have the best low price and Rain have the best high price. So, but check what's going on. I think you'll be very, very pleased with what's available and the price. A lot of this is not on contract, which helps. And, um, it, it just really does bring connectivity to more and more people at a price that I think most of us can currently afford. And that is always, always a good news thing. Now, before we break for Tech Talk Cafe, where I'm going to be talking about the future of work, the future of offices, a lot of announcements in that space in the last couple of days. And it's very topical with Europe and America and, and a lot of the, the Northern Hemisphere countries coming out of their COVID restrictions. Fortunately, South Africa sliding back in. But there are going to be a lot of changes coming up. What I did want to talk about very briefly is that a new law that was signed into law um, around around um, data and the use of data this week, actually, is and one of the, it's the Cyber Crimes Act, which has been signed into law. Internet service providers in South Africa now have the obligation to report their clients if they're committing any cyber crimes using their networks. And that gets, I'm not going to delve into the whole legal element of that, but it starts becoming quite a messy thing. So in other words, it is now a crime, theoretically, though there's some dissent from lawyers, as there always is, to download or view a pirated copy of a movie over the Internet. And if you download copyrighted content, store it, view it, whatever, potentially the ISP has 72 hours to report you to the necessary um, whoever, I have no idea who they report you to, and uh, you could be uh, guilty under the Cybercrime Act of an actual crime. So be careful, anyone who's downloading using your cheap internet connection could land up in some hot water. There's a lot of lot of controversy around that, but who knows? It's something to be aware of going forward, because I know a lot of people who do download stuff. Uh, I'm not divulging, I have no obligation. And we will be back with Tech Talk Cafe, and the future of work straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And now moving on to the topic of the day, I actually did have a guest that I wanted to join us, but due to constraints, unfortunately, they weren't able to. But we will pick that up at another time. But I think the topic is of enough importance to all of us Um to, to actually talk about just anyway. And what, what prompted this is that, for example, as America is opening up, as they are returning to work, they've hit pretty much 60% of their population being vaccinated. Their 
their corona numbers are plummeting despite all the new variants that are floating around the world. And there is no question that things are returning to normal. The CDC is giving uh, guidance saying that, you know, once you've been fully vaccinated and you are going to a place where people are fully vaccinated, masks are no longer an option. And they've left masks in, in the open. You can take them off. But if you're on public transport or in certain public places, you need to wear them as well. So all in all, things are starting to return to normal. And the next question is, because the vast majority of corporate America sent their people home, the central business districts in London, New York, across the world were ghost towns. No one was these hugely expensive corporate buildings were standing empty, air conditioners off, um, all the services around them, all the little cafes and dry cleaners and you name it, that used to offer all their services in that area were pretty much shut down. So the ripple effect was massive as people stayed at home. The trains were empty. Public transport was becoming a real challenge. And the question has been asked across the board. What is now going to happen with this? Are people ever going to return to the office? And there's been a huge range of opinions in this space. So I've read a ton of information about it. I've discussed it with a number of key guys. And the simple fact is that I and many experts in this field don't profess to be an expert, but many experts that I've spoken to clearly say that things will return to normal over the next year and not before that, because despite the fact that there's going to be, um, you know, a large, large gain with, with the, the inoculation of people across the globe, there's still going to be a ton of restrictions. So it's going to take another year before you can safely say that Corona is no longer an issue globally. And the impact on that for most people are fairly fundamental. Offices are not going to fully open for the next year. And going forward, there's a lot of change coming. Also, travel for business is going to be subdued. And that is what was driving pretty much the growth of, of airline travel and travel across the world in such a, an incredible way pre the whole pit the COVID pandemic. So those two things are, are pretty much going to change or remain affected for the next year seriously and change very much for the future. So Facebook, for example, came out and said that they are going to, um, from the June the 15th, which is pretty much next week, they're going to allow employees to request to work from home part-time. So if employees have now moved to a lower cost place, they're you know, they might even look at changing their salaries and they will be encouraging everybody to go back into the office for some form of enhanced team building. And a lot of psychologists and other people that I've spoken to have said that the dynamic, the human dynamic of having people in a space for whatever purpose, whatever their work would be, especially in the more creative fields, tends to spark and spur performance across the entire group. So if five creative people in a particular field of working in an office, the output and the creativity and the, the, the product that these people come up with tends to be of higher quality and of greater um, sort of range as a group than as individuals. Where a lot of work can be done, which is purely, I wouldn't call it mechanical, but where it's process or a form of work that simply does not need terrible terrible amounts of, of um, for example, accounting, 
which is a bit of a precise science, though accountants would tend to argue with me on that. But generally, any form of fairly administrative work tends not to improve when people come back to the to the office. So in a company as big as Facebook, they also they plan to at least open 50% of their capacity by early September and fully reopen by October. The real bottom line, the 60,000 employees um, around the world and even in South Africa, it's going to be a real challenge because a ton of, of workers, and this is another little study that has come out, an enormous amount of people have reevaluated their work. They've rethought what they're doing um, as a result of having spent the last year in lockdown at home or whatever the case may be and actually getting through a lot of stuff. So the levels of resignation, simply because people do not want to return to the office and are able to work for other companies that are much more flexible in this regard, are also having a massive, massive um, impact. A huge company called VMware is letting its employees become permanent remote workers, though they will start talking about pay cuts. But when, you know, this is, again, a, a real challenge. Often it's in a place like America, pay cuts are, are a lot easier to implement than in a place like South Africa. But in South Africa and Europe, there's definitely the same sort of vibe coming. People are finding that they can effectively do their work from home. They do not need to waste hours a week or even a day commuting from one place to another. The setup time and the flexibility to look after kids and the cost and everything involved in that has fundamentally changed the, the way they want to work and the way they prepare to work. One of the, the major studies in the space has also shown that, unfortunately, the logistics of an office with regard to the people and the processes and the product um, is something that a lot of companies simply cannot change. doesn't matter how you do it. So if you're in the service industry, fixing things, advising companies, you have to come into either your or someone else's offices. So for, for, for companies like that, you will probably find that the nature and style of the businesses are going to change fundamentally. Salespeople will tend to work a lot more flexibly and only come to the offices for some form of um, meeting or presentation or whatever it needs if there's resources that can't be done. And a lot of people will be meeting informally around the world. So although the whole um, remote work or, or work from sort of co-working space, which became such a huge thing in this sort of new economy over the last couple of years, may actually come back in a very different way. Large corporates might downsize their campuses where they used to have 100,000 people working and start working flexibly with the various um, more local and smaller type of co-working type spaces where people need the resources. They need certain access to certain technologies. They need much better Internet than is possible in a particular area. But the knock-on for this is that there's been a huge growth in high-quality um, Internet to homes, and that has fed into the whole thing. So the very simple um, conclusion that has come out of what the work that a lot of American companies have done, and I've spoken to a number of South African companies, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, but with, it, with regard to the American companies, I think the daily grind, the daily commute has definitely had its day. That has peaked and peaked up to 2019 with 2020 being the watershed moment where the daily grind has moved. So in 
two ways that will fundamentally change. Most workers will at least have a portion of their work being able to be done at home. Mobile devices, the spread of high-speed internet, and the simple fact that you really don't need to sit in someone else's office to um, to achieve a particular task will definitely mean that a good percentage, as much as up to 50% of the current workforce, will probably work from home. And in South Africa, again, it, it it makes a huge difference. I live very close to Santon, but it can take 40 minutes to an hour to drive in there for work. And that, and, and the same, if not worse, in the evening. Again, that is a huge waste of time, and it may not be necessary to do so every single day. So even in a smaller environment like South Africa, you're going to find that people will find it far more efficient and cost-effective to work partially from home or to stagger their work hours considerably. In other words, start working at home and go into the office at 9, 10, 11 in the day for a couple of meetings and leave at 2, 3 and go back and finish their work, which makes absolute perfect sense in the in the overall scheme of things. The impact is going to be very more profound for the buildings and for the infrastructure that has been developed. So all these massive towers in major centers from Johannesburg to New York to to wherever, Sydney, anywhere in the world, these big central office districts with these thousand office type or even more massive high rises are going to find that their occupancy rates are going to go down and they may well have to reconfigure the space in a completely different way because people will come into the office for group meetings rather than individual meetings. People won't be sitting in a little office just, you know, nine to five and that whole story. So finally, the 925 may start fading into the background, and it will definitely, definitely um, slow down the growth of these major major regional centers, unless, again, as I said, the logistics of the employment cannot be. So scientific research um, that's based on actual having access to labs or processes or machinery that needs a physical presence, that cannot be changed. But if you're simply doing any form of desk research, any form of administrative work, there's just no question that all that stuff is going to fundamentally change. Cars will change. Transport will change. The nodes of transport will change. So it might distribute even more. And we've seen that. Um, there have been a lot of reports across the globe of massive improvements in people's homes. People have moved to bigger homes simply because they want space to work. They found having a separate workspace within the context of of where they live is much more beneficial. So then, you know, having the kids running around your feet at the dining room table in the central area of the house is not very conducive to a professional work environment, even if you're wearing shorts and a tie. So people have actually rejigged their homes in the last year. The price of properties have gone up as a result, and they've actually set themselves up in a very permanent way to continue to work from home and do everything um, in that space. And as I was saying, I've spoken to a couple of tech companies in South Africa, that being my beat, and right now it seems that the tech companies, considering what they do, are pretty much done with traditional office space. Companies as big as FNB have let their staff, and they're not tech companies, financial services, but again, everything's online and everything works in that way. They've really changed things completely. Microsoft, for example, in South Africa, while they, while, um, 
in the past, they had a couple of people who used to work from home and somewhat flexibly, especially during maternity leave and other areas of that sort, you know, illness, etc. And being a tech company and having all their connectivity online anyway, now almost 100% of their workforce can work remotely and do work remotely in the current circumstance. Of those, only a few are going to come back. And it's no question, based on what they've said, that this is becoming a permanent part of their company culture, and it's definitely going to be replicated across the world. So their offices really need to change. There is a a challenge around how working from home impacts work information sharing and the relationships and the whole um, sort of atmosphere and culture of a company will change through the space. But I believe that there are going to be many ways and, and, and definitely completely new ways of keeping that part of the work going. But it is definite that, according to a lot of the companies in South Africa, the pros of working from home are outweighing the cons considerably. And in many cases, which is interesting, from Celsi to a couple of other large mobile networks, they found that actually, in general, people are completing tasks faster. They're getting through their projects quicker. They're seeing that the overall um, efficiency and productivity has gone up with people who work from home. There seems to be a lot less politics in the office. And it is definitely not a negative thing. So the hybrid approach is definitely becoming part of where we're going. And this impacts not only big businesses. Again, I've spoken to a lot of smaller companies. The whole idea of having people work permanently in your office has changed. And a lot of people, especially in the financial services, so accountants, bookkeepers, that sort of thing, are finding that because they become more efficient working from home, they actually can get through a lot more work in a very similar period of time. And they are actually able to take on more clients, more work. And it's a trend that, funny enough, I've picked up happening in Europe a lot. People are working two days a week or a number of hours per week for a company to get through the work that they need to get through. And then time slicing that across three or four companies. So, in fact, they're now making more money, getting more work done. And everybody is entirely happy because as long as the work is done for the most part, you don't really need to have that person sitting in the office doing nothing while there isn't some work to do. So the efficiency and the cost improvement for companies is also another thing. So smaller companies are finding that it is actually now becoming the gig economy, as they call it, is becoming more and more important. And people are managing to actually get more work done, um, become more consultants, and a lot of the back office work can actually be outsourced to consultants rather than permanent employees. Again, a massive impact on the offices, massive impact on what we do, and a massive impact on how we are going to approach work going forward. So more and more, I do believe that the 2020 and happenings around the pandemic in 2020 are going to have fundamental long-tail effects on all of us, the way we work, the way we travel, the way we live our lives, and the nature and style of the houses that we've got. Because why would you want to live in a city center when you can earn the same money, live a much better life out in the suburbs with a lot more space, and still pop in when you need to and see your boss or see your office or see your workers and meet in very, very different ways? So in that lies a whole new world of business opportunity. 
many massive uh, property companies are going to have to do a lot of rethinking about all that office space they have. But overall, I do believe this is, is a much healthier, more productive way of doing work. Maybe the rat race finally is going to slow down to a point where it will be a little bit more human, we'll get work done, and enjoy our lives a little. So big, big changes coming in this space, something to watch going forward. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now moving on to other interesting and I think pretty big news coming out of um, Apple. This week they had their Worldwide Developer Conference, (coughs) which, like everything else, has gone completely virtual, which is not a terrible thing. A lot more people get to see it. You don't have to collect everyone and commute them to Cupertino in California. But it is where Apple announced all their new developments, all their new products, and all their new software. Well, not new products. When I say products, software products for the next year. And the reason they do it now and only release these products in the next two to three months is to give the developer ecosystem, which is critical to the success of any other sort of technology mobile ecosystem, the time to adjust to the new products, the new changes and everything that's coming. So there were about 15 huge changes that are are coming to the ecosystem. Obviously, the first and most important is um, iOS 15, which is going to bring, I think, some pretty significant improvements to FaceTime, notifications, and a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I have some friendly chats with all my Android fans and friends, and I'm a pretty big fan of Android as well, fairly, uh, you know, work across both ecosystems. And they say, yes, Apple every year steals all Android's best features and vice versa. That's not a problem. I think it's a great thing. I think as the two ecosystems mature, they will become a lot more similar because people are people and utilizing a a smartphone pretty much is not that complicated. shouldn't be that different. But um, within the, the iOS 15 ecosystem, there's some really, really interesting things coming. And the biggest change is to FaceTime. FaceTime probably took a huge knock with the advent of Zoom and video conferencing and everything that's going on. So they are, they've announced some incredible improvements around the whole FaceTime ecosystem. You can share music and videos during calls. Now, I'm not quite sure why or when, maybe for training, maybe for lots of things. I haven't given this a lot of thought, but when you're on a FaceTime call with multiple people, you can share a video. You can share Netflix, which is interesting. So you and your mates can watch Netflix together, stream it to a big TV through your Apple TV or direct, depending on the TV. So there's, you just click on a shareable link and off you go. It's going to be, I think, quite an interesting take on how this is going to compete with the other video conferencing things. Also, there's a, a big change coming to, photo, to notifications, something that I think iOS has been a little bit um, weak on. Some big changes coming in that space, a lot more explicit, a lot more upfront with widgets. And, and it just, I, I think, will make things a lot easier. Also, a huge thing is privacy. There will be a massive improvement in privacy, something that's actually become quite interesting. South Africa is now lumped along with China on one of the elements of the new privacy uh, browsing setup that is coming to Apple, where they will be automatically hiding your your browsing from everybody. Um, again, in South Africa, due to certain changes recently, that is not going to be possible. Apple Wallet, which I find incredibly useful, is getting a super 
upgrade, hotel keys, all sorts of other information. In America, interestingly enough, your passport will be even on your, your Apple wallet. So might be coming to South Africa because there's rumors that the, that your, um, your driver's license will be available in electronic format going forward, which will be quite cool. So if you leave it at home, but you've got your smartphone on you, you won't get uh, into trouble if you haven't got your, your license on you. So big changes coming to iOS 14, uh, iOS 15, um, quite significant look and feel changes from iOS 14 where we currently are. And there's some uh, big, big, big developments in that space. That will be available as a public developer, probably the end for the public as a developer by the end of June. Developers will get access to it next week. Should be interesting. I'm certainly going to try it when it comes out, bugs and all. But it it, it is a, looks like a serious upgrade. Something else Apple announced is that they're going to use AI to read all the text in your photos. That will be pretty cool um, and pretty interesting. But what they do say is they'll use on-device intelligence. In other words, nothing will be shared with anybody, and you'll be able to either use that text for for other reasons, you can pick up a phone call that's in a, a phone number that's in a photo and use it immediately. Um, and that I think is quite a big deal. A lot of changes to the, uh, the iPad OS 15, which is a fork of the iOS 15 thing. And they're going to add a lot of, um, features with mail, Safari, lots of different things in that space as well. There's also going to be a lot of upgrades in um, their audio systems. In other words, Siri is now going to be able to work with um, internet connection for on-device speech recognition. So whether you've got a connection or not, you should be able to process a whole ton of things on the device with Siri. And no audio will be sent to, um, to any service anywhere. A great improvement in privacy. One thing that piqued my interest, if you've got other family members on, on, an, on an iPhone, You can now see family members' health data. So, for example, if they're wearing an Apple Watch and they fall over, you will get an alert on your phone. Great for people with older older parents. And a lot of other little changes. New Mac, uh, a Watch OS 8 is coming out. A lot of changes there. But one of the biggest changes they announced was Siri is coming to third-party accessories. So, for the first time ever, the world walled garden has a new door. Uh, a lot of people will be quite interested in that. And they will allow accessory makers to access Siri on their devices, which is quite a big deal. It is quite a big um, thing. Thermostats, cars, you name it, will now have Siri as your assistant. Also, they announced a Mac OS release, and we will talk a little bit about that straight after this little ad break. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And as we close out the show, the last really big announcement that I want to talk about from WWDC is uh, that Apple are announced the next generation of Mac OS called Monterey. And from the demonstration that I saw and some of the comment that came out of it, Mac OS and iOS, which is their mobile operating system, are getting closer and closer and closer. But one of the coolest things they announced is the ability to use the same mouse and keyboard across your Mac and your iPad. So if you connect your, if you bring your iPad near your Mac and you're busy working on something, you can take your mouse, swipe it across, drop it on the iPad, and continue working using your keyboard and your mouse from your, your Mac on the iPad and vice versa, which I think is pretty cool. I'm, 
you know, they didn't explain exactly what would happen if you have a keyboard and a touchpad on your, your, um, your iPad as well. But I would imagine that it works both ways. And it actually extends it to a second screen, which is really cool for remote workers and certainly makes it a lot more seamless. Widgets, gadgets, and a lot of on-screen stuff that's available on the iPad uh, will now be available on Mac OS. And there will definitely be a much more common interface look, feel, and, and already if you're running the new M1 Max, you can run all the apps that run on an iPad. So the, the difference between the two computers, they're no longer just the tablets and a computer, is getting smaller and smaller. And you should be able to do pretty much everything on your iPad, apart from some very heavy creative work and perhaps some modeling and computer-aided design on, on your Mac that may need a little bit more power. So there's no question that the two OSs are, are starting to converge. They both run on the new M1 Mac chips, which essentially makes them identical in the back end. And overall, we're going to see a fairly unified space in, in the OS map area. And from a user point of view, we'll make working across an iPhone, an iPad, and a Mac entirely seamless. Mac probably do that better than any other ecosystem currently. Windows is still great. I'd use Windows all the time. But Windows and Android, even Windows and, and, and an iPhone, are not particularly interoperable. There are ways you can do it. But it's clunky, it's not particularly easy to use, and it definitely makes life a little bit more complicated. Apple have always been pretty slick at keeping things simple, and now they're enhancing that even further. Again, all these, de- all these new developer products will be available for developers in the next week or two, but they will launch with the new product. There was a big room of new products were coming, they didn't come. But all these new software products will be available probably September, um, as a, as a normal upgrade. And again, once, uh, from what I've seen, it will be available across a huge number of, um, a huge number of, of older phones and older devices, which is pretty impressive considering the capabilities of the new system, all the way back to the iPhone 6 and some of the older, uh, uh Macs. Now, before I wrap up, I'm told, I'm told that our time is running out. We are, we have to move on. The one thing I wanted to share with everybody is that right now is a great time to protect yourself against load shedding, and there are some amazingly good deals on little UPSs and backup devices across um, the market. I've been doing a little bit of homework, and you can pick up extremely well-powered devices around about 545, 600 rand for smaller UPSs. And all you really need to do is power your router to get you Wi-Fi because mostly um, fiber will stay up or, or the, the, the 4G or 5G towers will stay up. So you need a small little UPS somewhere in the region of 32 watt hours, 65 watt hours, which should power your router for up to, up to an hour or two. So now is the time. Go and have a look online. Do a little Google for um, UPSs, backup UPSs or backup power options, and you'll find that anywhere from 500 to 1,500 rand should give you enough to keep your router, your little Wi-Fi setup going for at least four hours. And in the region of a, a 65 to to 200 uh, milliamp hour or watt hour device. So just remember that from about 50 to 150, 
at around about 500 to 1,500 rand should keep your your um, Wi-Fi setup going long enough to get you through the dark hours that are we're having to deal with currently. And on that note, I'm afraid I must bid you farewell till next week. Same place, same time. This is Stephen Ambrose on, on High FM for Tech Talk.